Welcome to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast, where we celebrate the craft of poetry. Each week, we feature interviews with incredible poets and artists, including Olivia Gatwood and A.E. Stallings, and original poetry read by the authors. I'm your host, James Moorhead, poet laureate of Dublin, California, and author of Canvas and Portraits of Red and Gray. Natalia Andrus is a freelance artist who works in multiple media, both digital and traditional. I had a chance meeting with Natalia at her Silicon booth in San Jose last summer and immediately knew her style of art would be perfect for my upcoming book, The Plague Doctor. Fast forward to today and Natalia has completed three incredible black ink drawings inspired by poems in my book, and I just had to talk to her about her process, her unique process that she uses to create these ink drawings. Natalia, welcome to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast. Hi, James. Thanks for having me. Well, looking at your online portfolio of ink, pen, acrylic, and paint and digital artwork, I'm impressed by the vivid images you create. What first sparked your interest in visual arts? I think that it all started just kind of when I was younger. I did art a lot, and I got a lot of comments and encouragement from um, my classmates, as well as like I, I've had a lot of good role models. I've had um, both of my great grandparents were artists, so I had a lot of their artwork hanging around my house growing up, and so that was always super fun. The ink artwork that I do now was actually inspired by something called Inktober, which artists participate in, where they work solely with ink or with pens in order to create like different prompts and themes, and that's kind of how my eerie ink stuff got started. Very cool. Well, it was fascinating looking back through your Instagram account and seeing how your skill as an artist has developed and distinct style has emerged. How would you describe your style of art, both ink and non-ink artwork? I would think I would describe it as very, um, uh, I think I would say kind of like hard cut. Like I love having lines that aren't quite like symmetrical or perfectly parallel. I think it adds like a lot of dimension to my work. Um, I also would describe it as being very creative and like imaginative. I really don't like to do artwork that's just like a direct interpretation of what's going on. I like taking a couple different things in order to build something completely original. And cause I think that's what art is all about. It's about just like creating new things and, um, and interpreting it like your own way. So you create art using many different types of media, both traditional and digital. Um, how do you decide which media will be the best for a given subject? In writing poetry, a similar question becomes which form to apply to the words and phrases uh, that, a, that a writer creates. When, but when, you're, when you have an idea, do you sort of decide you're going to use a particular form of um, a particular type of media? Or is it you start with the media and then you just go down and create the art? Um, I think that most of the time I'll I'll kind of like start with a media, like I'll have a specific um, type that I'll be wanting to work with. And so for this case, like with Erie Ink, it's always like I'll pick a prompt, like I'll decide beforehand that I'm going to do this in an Erie Ink style. And so the prompt that I choose normally will be something that goes along with that. My Erie Ink style is very distinct in the sense that I want to make sure that I pick things that kind of have that eerie element to them. And that's worked for me in the past. As far as my digital things go, 
I, because I use color in those ones, I typically will try to get more expressive pieces or ones that are interpretive. Um, but my style kind of is very different for my eerie ink to like my digital or even like my pencil illustrations. And I think that, that I guess like overall, I would say it's just my, um, it's just like picking the media first. Gotcha. Well, looking through your portfolio, fantasy, fantastical and animated characters dominate. You know, what attracts you to these fantastical fantasy and animated characters? What, what has you so interested in that, uh, on, on those subjects? I think that I get so interested in them because I grew up watching a lot of like stories and like reading a lot of different like fantastical books. And so I kind of wanted to create my own characters and kind of be able to tell and represent their stories through the images and the pictures that I use. And when you're uh, when you're creating a character, do you imagine a backstory for that character that isn't represented in the artwork, but is kind of in your mind that you're imagining a, a little world that they're in beyond what you decide to visualize? Oh, 100%. I think that sometimes it's more detailed for some than it is for others. But I like kind of adding that extra element for people because I think it makes it more interesting and fun. Um, and if I don't have like a specific backstory for something, I try to definitely convey like an emotion that they're feeling. Um, and even though I like I might not have like a specific story that goes along with that, um, I kind of like imagine these these illustrations that I do like becoming like full on scenes and like characters. And if it did become that, like would it be like if someone was there in person and it was like real life, like would it be something that was like intriguing and interesting, like and and that the story would catch people's eye and that they could relate to. And that's kind of my goal with that. So, uh, you know, as a poet, I, I capture raw images and then mold it into a piece of poetry. Like talk about going from a pencil sketch, which I got to see through the process you went through for the artwork for my book, but the pencil sketch, what you learned from it, and then how you take that pencil sketch to, to a fully realized piece. I actually love doing like the pencil sketching part because it allows me a lot of like creative freedom with it. And uh, you might have noticed like a little bit, like I change things sometimes when I go to like the final piece and when I like I ink it in. And some of the pieces, like I'll do one specific part, very like um, very detailed. Like for example, I did like a cyberpunk piece um, and I did like, I added a good form and like a good sketch on the girl. But then on the background, I left it very loose because Lots of the times when I do go to do the final inking, it kind of like, it's almost like the the pen gets a mind of its own because I just kind of roll with it. And I think that's why I love it so much is because um, a lot of it is very instinctual. So I would definitely say that like the sketching process is something to kind of get the creative juices flowing, to get everything out on the paper. And then I can kind of mess around with lines. Um, for example, I do have a lot of like lines that I'll like exaggerate and if I did that, like with, with pen, I think that I, if I just went straight to pen, I don't think I would be able to um, relax or even like enjoy the process as much. Um, and then it also just is so fun to see how it turns out when I actually have the, you know, when I fill in the black spots and then I have the contrast that occurs with the final piece. Um, and so it's like super fun to see the process. Um, and even I'm surprised by how it turns out sometimes. Yeah, because I guess there. If you mentioned that if you didn't do the pencil sketch first, it would be, I assume the stress would come from the unforgiving nature of black pen. That there's only so much you can fix other than starting over again. Is that is that kind of what you're getting at? 
Yeah, for sure. But I do like like some of the unforgiving nature that does come with pen as well, which is why I do like to leave things loose. Um, because I also think that it it makes me just trust myself and not second guess things. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm as, as people will see when they lift your you know for people listening to this go on to Velo Wings and you'll see some of the images we're talking about. It's just incredible that they were created with by by pen. So I first uh, became aware of your work at Sil- at the Silicon event in San Jose last summer when you were displaying and selling your eerie ink black and white hand drawn ink pieces. Uh, the detail shading, paint like texture created with thin ink pens is extraordinary. How did you develop this skill? Oh, I appreciate the comments, by the way. Um, I developed this skill, a lot of it, you know, I got to say, it was just kind of practice. Like a lot of it, originally I did in Inktober. Um, oh, it was it was a while ago. I don't know what year it was, but I did a whole Inktober series. Um, and they weren't, they weren't really anything like the Eerie Inks. Like they were very, very early form of it. And if you actually go onto my Natalia Illustrations account, you can see the Inktober that I did from forever ago. And so I did that series and my, my mentor Kip Rasmussen saw it and he was like, you know what, you should do more of these. You should like make it a, make it a whole thing. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, I guess I'll try it. And then I did one and I just loved it. And from there it just kept on evolving and I got more ideas and just the prompts of like Inktober inspired me. But then I kind of started creating my own prompts and interpretations of different things. And from there, like it seriously has just been like a lot of practice. And because for myself, like if I compare to where I am now versus my first Eerie Ink that I did, I'm a lot more efficient and like confident with the pen than I used to be. Um, but like the number one thing I think has just been like creating them and then also studying things like anatomy and like making sure that I get better at like thumbnails and uh, just creating different stories through characters. Well, that leads right to my next question, which is you created three commissioned pieces for my book, each based on a poem from the book and uh, the photographs that I actually used to inspire the poems, at least in part. So share some insights into how you took these starting points and then created something completely new, uh, both from the intermediate sketches to the fully realized pieces that complement the poetry. They're distinctly you. What was the process you went through after I handed off that sort of starting point? The process, well, I definitely wanted to encapsulate like what you were trying to convey because that was the biggest thing is I wanted them to be able to relate them back and forth. Um, while also adding like a little bit of like creative, my own like creativity in there. And so I think that like something I really enjoyed actually was when I was looking at the plague doctor image you sent me, I loved that it was like a woman because I hadn't like in my head, like I've seen a lot of, especially when I was looking at like other reference photos and things, like I've seen a lot of like male plague doctors, but then the fact that it was a woman, I feel like was a specific trait. And then you also mentioned like, um, like tendrils of fog in the poem. I love like swirls and tendrils and incorporating that. So that was just like, oh, that was just like heaven for me to be able to, <laughs> to reference that. And so I would kind of take these specific elements, um, especially like, for example, like having reference for the outfit that the plague doctor was, was wearing. And then also for, for the memoir of the automaton, just being able to see kind of the structure of the face and where things were being revealed and pairing that with the poem that you gave me of like for the automaton, like when you talk about the fingers and I, that, that just struck with me. I wanted to incorporate that. I wanted people to be able to like visualize this in front of them. And so kind of like taking those pieces in order to create like something that really has like a focus on 
on what you were talking about, being able to display that through my art was just so fun. And that was kind of what I like strove for with, with all of that. And then there were also things like with, um, with the humorous tibia and laughing skull, you talked about paint. So I knew I wanted to incorporate the drips and then the bulldog bones. I was just, I was super excited about those because bones just have so much potential in them when it comes to illustration. And so kind of picking out those elements of not only the photos, but the poems and combining them in order to kind of create something that encapsulates the originality of the photos that you sent me to make it very like personalized, but then also create something that like the readers can like directly read the poem and look over and relate them together. Um, that was kind of my main objective and the thing that I really focused on during that process. Well, it was, it's brilliant. Like I just, so it just adds such an element to the book. I'm going to be really excited for people to see it. And the plague doctor opens the book. So that's the first thing they're going to see. So it's very cool. Um, so what are some of the advantages and disadvantages of creating art using ink pens versus digital? Uh, because so many things, so much of art, pop art, uh, has gone fully digital. Um, but there's an element from the, the ink art that you've created that is so distinctly hand-drawn. Like, what are some of the advantages, but also disadvantages of creating a piece with ink pens? I think that, so for advantages, I would say that it create like, it's super bold. And also, it's super fun to, like, look at the originals versus, like, digital. Because digital is, you know, there's lots of potential there. But when you're creating, like, these black and white ink drawings, it's just not the same to look at them um like on a screen or like as a printout or a copy like looking at the original piece and being able to see like the lines in the paper and then also I don't know if like everybody knows this but I use actually like a white paint pen sometimes to correct like I don't I try not to use it like I try to use it as little as possible but I'll like add like extra emphasis on certain white areas of the page in order to create like a greater contrast and that doesn't really show through when I do the copies of or like the prints, which is also why I like to show people the originals because um, they it's just like so much more interesting than, than the printout, um, at least in my, in my opinion. And I definitely value the originals a lot. But something that I think would be like a disadvantage was that like you don't get as like sharp of lines. Like if you kind of like look at some of the the lines, like even when like I blow them up, like they're not perfect. And I guess someone might take that as an advantage because it adds to kind of the roughness and the style of the artwork for it being traditional. Um, but also it, it can like be a hindrance if I want to kind of do extra, extra small details, um, especially since with pen work, like we talked about, you can't, you can't really go back and fix something. Like if I make a mistake, it's, it's a hassle to fix it. Um, and so that can take a lot of extra time, especially with digital work when you have like undo buttons and things like that, that make it a lot more convenient. But honestly, I think that like having a little bit of struggle through the process makes the outcome just a lot more satisfying. Well, that's why I'm so excited to get the originals, uh, because you can see the imprint on the paper. You can see those little details, like you said, that you use white pen in certain situations to accentuate the contrast. And those are the things that make looking at an original piece of art that was done by hand, there's just that extra 
like third dimension that gets added. It's very cool. So uh, for listeners discovering your work for the first time and considering a commissioned piece, what advice do you have to help ensure a successful collaboration between the person asking for the commission and you, the artist trying to, you know, express yourself, but also meet the requirement of the commission? Well, James, I think that you're a perfect example of like what to do when you're ordering a commission, because you provided me with, you had like your poem and then you also had the picture and you gave me a lot of creative space to work, which I think is really where I thrive. But you also, you like gave me something to go off of. And I think that when people want like something very, very specific um, and they're not, they don't clarify that, that's often like, that's when a client will get upset. I haven't really had that happen, but I'm also, I'm also like very aware of that. So I try to ask a lot of questions if needed um, but I think that most of the time, like if a client is very particular, they just have to let, let me know. And when they do like give me that creative freedom to go off of, that's kind of where I think that the piece is going to turn out the best way. It's kind of a lot of the time when um, someone has a very, very specific idea for, um, for like the, the comprehensive interpretation or just like the layout of a sketch um, that like I will sometimes have to like challenge it and be like, um, well, are you sure you want it this way? Because like aesthetically or the way that the eye reads this might not be interpreted how you think it's going to be. Um, but that that most of the time, like I've been very fortunate to have a lot of really good clients that are like open to like discussing sketches and things. But for sure, I think just having like one or two reference images that you specifically want um, is an excellent way to go about a commission. And then if you have like a specific inspiration, that's an excellent way. I think that another kind of thing that I would warn against is having like too many reference images because then it can often like, like if you give me like 50 or 25 like reference images and you're like, do all of these, this is what I want it to look like. Like you have no idea which ones of those I'm going to kind of look at because you can't incorporate every single thing of all those pieces. So I think like having three or four things um, to reference from and then just being very clear about what you want, that's the best way to go about it. Yeah, no, I definitely thought about that is how can I give you a clear starting point and then get out of the way? Because the reason that I commissioned from you as an artist is because I liked what you had already done and I wanted to get your take on it, not something that I had like defined down to the to the to the line, which would be, I think working against you as an artist. So yeah, I'm glad to hear that there was that uh, that the approach I took was helpful. So just a couple more yeah. questions. So for any artist, there is a the creative process and then the business of marketing and selling the art, finding an audience. For artists hoping to create a career from their art, share a bit about what you've learned selling your art, acknowledging that you're at the you're at the start of your career and you're still figuring it out. But what have you figured out so far? Um, I think that something that I've really figured out is that you're in this, that like when you're starting out like this, like your main goal is to kind of like, like you want to make friends with people. And I think that that's been, been a big like blessing for me. Cause I've had like a lot of really good people who have like supported me in my career. And then also just having amazing customers and clients um, and being willing to like make deals and like work with people I think has greatly benefited me. I think that especially for people who are starting out in the marketing realm, I would say create a social media and make sure that you you figure out your niche. Um, that's the main reason why I have two Instagram art accounts. 
Um, I really, I really was against it for a while because I was like, I do not want two art accounts. That's so much hassle. But at the end of the day, my Erie Ink brand is a bit separate from my digital and my painting things. And I wanted my customers to know exactly what they were getting and exactly what my style was. And I think that that's like such a huge thing is lots of people have a lot of different styles, a lot of different passions. And that's, that's awesome. And like, you for sure don't have to drop any of those because I haven't, I still have like, I still paint, do digital work. I still do pencil work, but being able to separate that, I think that's super important. And then also having a website, it doesn't even have to be like, like too complicated, or I guess it doesn't even have to be a website. Your clients just have to know where they can go to get your things and how to contact you. Because if they don't know how to contact you and if they don't know that you have any any products available, like you're not going to make any sales, you're not going to build yourself up. Um, so kind of the social medias that I'm on right now, I'm on Instagram. I also do some TikToks because um, that's a big free marketing um platform that I think a lot of businesses have taken advantage of. Um, and it makes it really easy, but I think that overall the most sales and the most times I've been able to really connect with my customers and network and build my business has been like going to in-person events, um, at places like Silicon Valley. Um, and then also I sold in Salt Lake, um, at Fanex this last year in Artist Alley. And I think that those, those type of places where you can really talk to a lot of different people and reach a large audience, like events like that, like you should take every advantage you take advantage of every opportunity that you have, even if it's not like super convenient. And my kind of outlook that I had going into a lot of these events early on was that like, as long as I break even, I'll be fine. And um, like, I'm happy to report that it's, you know, exceeded my expectations because like I've had such amazing um, like clients and, and customers. And so that's been awesome. But for sure, at the beginning, it's just about like making friends and, and you want to start out with high quality. You don't want to, um, you know, lower the quality of your work or of anything, just because like you're early on, you want to set the standard for yourself. So your customers know what to expect. And so you kind of know what to expect from yourself moving forward. Awesome. So uh, what are you planning in the future? What's got you? I mean, I also know you're, I, I assume you're still, you're in school and finishing off university. Are you in design or what are you, what, you know, what, what are you doing right now and what's your plans for the future? Yeah. So right now I'm still in school. I'm actually an exercise science major, funny enough, because I played volleyball for a couple of years. Um, and so I didn't actually have time for art classes. But with me being recently done with volleyball, that's kind of when I was able to have the opportunity to build this business. Um, so that's been awesome. And I'm now taking, I got into a couple um, art classes. And so I also have like access to lots of great, amazing professors who will give me advice on things. Um, and so just having those types of sources um, from people, like it doesn't even have to be like college professors. It can just be people you know. Um, that's been like huge for me. So I, I'm definitely very busy. And so and I only intend to devote even more time towards this in the future. Um, because once I'm done with school, like I'll have, I'll have even a greater portion of my life dedicated to this. Um, but it's definitely something, art is definitely something I haven't wanted to give up regardless of my busy schedule throughout my life. Yeah. And I'd say that that's an important thing for people to remember is most artists are also something else. And sometimes that something else is, is, 
being a professor teaching art and sometimes that's something else is completely different. I'm a, you know, I'm a tech industry person when I'm not writing poetry and I have two, two halves in my brain and one is my tech <laughs> industry professional self and the other is my poet laureate and public and author of books self. So yeah, I think that that's many people can relate to that. So Natalia, first of all, thank you for the incredible artwork you created for The Plague Doctor. And I can't wait for you to see the book when it comes out later this year. And there'll be a little taste of that on the website. I encourage people to check out uh, what Natalia created for me. And uh, thank you for sharing your art on the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast today. Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. And you've been so awesome to work with. Like, I'm really grateful. And I am beyond excited to see my artwork in your book, your poems, are amazing and I'm going to share it with like everybody I know um, because I'm just I'm so stoked to see it and this has been an awesome experience likewise and I think yeah you'll love the book when it's when it's all done uh, in a few months the viewless wings poetry podcast is written and produced by James Moorhead you can follow me on twitter at Dublin Ranch Subscribe to the Viewless Wings Poetry Podcast and follow us on viewlesswings.com or on Instagram at viewlesswings.com.